The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all. We have a great guest, and I'm really excited to have him today. He is the vice president of Overland Group Incorporated, Michael Holman. Michael, thanks for joining us. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? Man, well, I am fantastic. Peeling back the curtain for the audience. Michael and I were just sharing some war stories about being sick over the weekend from kids. The 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 germs that they bring home is just wonderful for our immune systems. Uh, but no, seriously, Michael, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. For those that are, are hearing your voice, seeing your name for the first time on the show, hopefully not. Hopefully they bumped into you some other way. But if they are, we'd love to get your origin story, where you're from, how you got into real estate, and what kind of real estate you're in these days. Absolutely. So I'm from Utah, Salt Lake City. That's where our headquarters are and everything. I was you know, born and raised just a couple of uh, miles outside of Salt Lake City. Really got into real estate about four years ago, my father, Ken Holman, has actually been in real estate for 40 years. So he is the the owner of Overland Group. But growing up, I never thought I was going to go into real estate. I mean, I I went to you know BYU Brigham Young University. They have a great accounting program. I graduated with master's in accounting. I went to Ernst & Young, right? I kind of followed the path that everybody thinks, hey, yeah, you should follow this, right? I got my CPA and, and I'm kind of just going down the path. Well, that all went really well. You know, Ernst & Young is a, is a great firm. There was just some, you know, corporate structure things I'll say that just didn't jive with me. I mean, just my personality, what they kind of came back and said after one year was, hey, we can't tell the difference. And by the way, I think this has since changed, but they kind of came back and said, hey, we can't tell any of our staff ones apart. Everybody gets a blanket raise. You know, it's just the same raise across the board. It was kind of like, for me, you know, maybe my managers will think otherwise, but I felt like I killed it. Right. I mean, I, I was taking all these extra assignments on doing all these extra things. I was taking on stuff that staff two, staff three, even seniors and managers were supposed to be doing. And so when I got that, I was like, ah, oh, you know, that just didn't sit right with me because I, you know, I, I have a hard time. I felt like it was rewarding mediocrity in that moment. And so I kind of had taken a step back and I just looked around and, and honestly, I reached out. Ken needed someone to do development randomly. So he came and said, Hey, are you interested? And, you know, after thinking about it, I, I took it as my swing for the fences moment. So that's how I got got into real estate generally, right? Just through that connection. I came over to development. Controller quit three months after I had started. Next thing you know, you know, everyone's looking around. I was like, oh, you're CPA. You take over the accounting. I took over the accounting <laughs> for six months. Ended up back into development and capital markets is where I land. So I spend most of my time. I deal with investors, lenders, architects, engineers, all of those guys to get developments to the finish line and hand them off to const- the construction team that we have here. So that's kind of my role here. It's how I got started, but definitely wasn't all uh, roses and butterflies like it might like it might sound like. Right, right. It's not it's not the social media posts that we're all putting out there. Right. It's it's not not everyone smiling, shaking hands, cutting the ribbon. It's uh, there's a lot of hard work, a lot of struggles, unsuccess stories, if you will, along the way. Absolutely. So what you know? Speaking of what comes to mind, I know we were chatting a little bit beforehand, but. And we invited you on the show to talk a little bit about this. But when you were thinking about it, what really comes to mind that maybe you could help educate our audience on some of the unsuccess stories you guys have run into that would help our audience out? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, the, the biggest one that comes to my mind. So four years ago, when I started, we had $10 million in development, which, which sounds like a big number, but in the development world is, is pretty small, right? Uh, we've since grown that we're, you know, we're at 160 million nowadays. And potentially if we have uh, all our projects that are under contract, go past due diligence, we, we could quickly jump to 300 million in the development pipeline. Right. And so people see that all the time. They just think, wow, that's, that's awesome. But they don't realize is during that first year, two years that I was here, man, we struggled. I mean, it had been, it had been 20 years since we had done a, a big project, like the ones that we got started into. And, and my father, Ken, he has a ton of experience and there was a bunch of things that happened, right? Some in his control, some out of his control, but we were operating like we were a $200 million development company. We had overhead, like we were $200 million development company, but we had $10 million in development going. And I mean, and so for the first year, two years, it was, it was a constant battle. I mean, we were oftentimes thinking, how are we going to pay the next payroll? Right. I mean, what, what are we going to, how are we going to scrape enough money so that we can pay all the people uh, so that we can do another deal? And that lasted for, you know, a year or two years. And I'd like to say we're completely out of the clear, but we still deal with this today, just on a different scale. I mean, you look at it and say, when you're growing that fast, we deal with what a lot of, you know, tech startups, there's a ton of tech startups in Utah, for example, right? And they all have the same problem. Well, you need projects to get people because projects bring in money and you need to be able to pay those people, but you need people to be able to do the projects, right? And so a lot of times, you know, we're just kind of coming out of that, but for, we've been running on these razor thin margins. Everything that we have is being dumped back into the company, back into projects to kind of keep the machine going. And, and so while all these good things are happening, people don't see the stresses. I mean, uh, to be honest, everybody at this, at this company is taking on the work of what normally probably two or three employees would take on. You know, I, I would say probably people are working, you know, for better or for worse. And we don't want this w- to last this way forever, but people are probably working 50, 60 hours a, a week on a regular basis um, just to kind of keep things going and improving. That's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. And people probably are wondering, okay, well, well, how did you make that transition? Yeah, yeah, 10 million. How'd you get to 160 million? You know, what, what happened there? And, and I often tell people, right. I mean, and Whitney Sewell, you know, I was just on his podcast not too long ago and he probably says it best real estate is a team sport. And I completely agree. Right. I mean, we've been able to form some amazing partnerships with amazing people who get a lot done. And, and that's really what's fueled that growth for us is, is through those, through those strategic partnerships that we've made with all these different people through the networking that we've done. That's kind of what's been the rocket fuel to what we have going on. Because for example, we, we don't pride ourselves. A, a lot of people in this space, they get started and they're like, okay, I have to be able to raise the money, right? I need, I need to have investors so I can do projects. That was never our focus. We took a different approach. We've been in the business for 40 years and we said, you know what? We know real estate. We know real estate inside out. We know how to structure it. We know how to do it. We know, I mean, we've, we've done hundreds of millions in development over the last 40 years. We know real estate. So we just took the approach. We're going to own the real estate. And we're going to partner with those who are the syndicators, who are the invest, you know, who have the investor relationships. And that's the approach that we took. And we were able to bring that value out to them because it's like, hey, we can get you into development. You know, we can get you into, you know, 50, $100 million developments. We have that ex- expertise. We know how to get it done. And so that's been a really, a really great partnership for us. And that, you know, those are the things that are, that are escalating us, you know, from 10 to 200 million. But I'll tell you what, it, it was a long time finding those partners. I mean... 
those we didn't just have them in the wings ready to go. So uh, a, a funny story that kind of comes to my mind is when the first big development that we were going to do, you know, in a long time, I just barely started. I was in charge of, of finding the money for this development and we had to raise $10 million. And, you know, it's a pretty big number. So here we are. I had no idea where to even start. I mean, I just came from an accounting background. I didn't know investors. I didn't know who to contact. I literally Google searched, you know, real estate investment companies enter, right? And I, I'm going and I'm just taking down like the top list in Google. And it, it sounds ridiculous now that I say, it. I mean, I'm over here. And, and at the time, I didn't even, I don't even know who they were, right? It was like Blackstone, Goldman Sachs. Small right? companies. Yeah, yeah, no big deal, right? And I'm literally taking down all the information of these companies. And here I am, I think I took down a hundred and I am cold calling. And this is like me calling like the receptionist at Goldman Sachs. Hey, uh, who do I talk to who wants to put $10 million in the development that we're doing, right? And so you hear that story and honestly, 95% of them, uh, but at the time I didn't know where else to start, right? I mean, I just kind of got this, this project thrust upon me. I had no idea what I was doing and I just decided to, to take action, you know, and, and whatever that meant. <laughs> And here's what happened, right? I think I had a hundred on that list. 95% didn't even respond, right? They, I, I, they didn't respond to any voicemails, uh, emails, nothing that I left. It was just like, yeah, we're not going to talk to you. 4%, I think four of that group, they took my call and they continued to berate me, <laughs> right? I mean, it was like, what are you doing? Like, you have no business calling me, asking me for this. You need to stop. I mean, I had at least two people tell me that I have no idea what I'm doing. And I should not be calling people like them for this money, right? And, and here's the thing. When you're in real estate, when you're in development, you hear those. And, and I find you have to change your mindset around failure and what failure is. Because when you look at that, a lot of people just see that and say, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a failure and I'm, and I'm done and I failed and that's it. And I, you know, I can't do this. You, know, you have to look at it and say, that's just, okay, that's one more person who's not going to do it. But you cannot let those kind of setbacks, you know, whatever you want to call them, you have to be able to pivot around those. I mean, we deal, we deal with this all the time on development. If I stopped developing every single time I had a city council tell me no, if I had an architect tell me I couldn't do something, you know, if I had to deal with a, a lender situation, we would never get a development done. I mean, there is a hundred items that are going to come up and you have to be able to pivot around those. And honestly, what happened in that story I had one person, one group that, that was like, oh, this is interesting. And ultimately they didn't do the deal, but I'll tell you what, I had a conversation with them that it significantly improved my presentation of this project going forward. That led to another thing, which led to another thing, which led to another thing, which ultimately helped us get all those partners that we were talking about that helped take us from 10 to 150 plus million dollars in development. And so, you know, it's, it's those type of situations where, you know, Honestly, it's like, if you have four people from Goldman Sachs, you know, I don't know. I don't remember the four companies that called me and got mad at me. I don't think it was Goldman Sachs, but you got to just let it, let it roll off you. I mean, at this point, Ken, my father actually has a really famous saying that he always says, and it drives you nuts when you're on the receiving end of it. But for us, yes is yes. And no is maybe right. And that's just kind of the mindset that you have to take. If you're, if you are going to get things done, you have to believe that you can do things and accomplish things that are well outside your current realm, your current box, because that's the only way you're going to stretch yourself to get there. I mean, if, if you would have told us 
four years ago that I was going to be, you know, we were going to have $150 million in development. I probably would have told you I was, I was crazy, you know, like that, that was something that kind of was so outside of the scope of what we were doing. But yeah, at the, at the end, it's honestly, it's understanding those failures, how to fail, how to maneuver from that, how to pivot from that and how to keep going. It's, it's those who are, you know, who are uh, really tenacious that seem to make it in this business. Well, I heard a, a bunch of things in that story that I think really stick out to me. The first one, kind of a funny anecdote. If you're not paying for SEO and think it's important, uh, uh, Michael here just proved that your search results on Google are very important. So make sure <laughs> you have some good SEO uh, if you're not <clears throat> if you're not already uh, invested in that. But what I heard was a call to action, right? You didn't know what you needed to do, but you you took action anyway. And you weren't afraid, to your point, to fail forward. You didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know what kind of outcome would, would, would be at the other end of this experience, but you knew you needed to get something done. So you started taking action. And then what you learned along the way, which, listen, in my background in sales, we've been trained for this. Like I would have known going in, if I make 100 phone calls, a cold call, that one or two percent tops would actually go all the way through my, you know, sales cycle funnel, whatever you will, to close the deal. One or two percent tops, so that you got when you were saying you got four to return calls. I was like, man, this guy's batting way above average. So <laughs> I think to your point, like I've been trained, and if anybody coming from a sales background probably has as well. But to your point, those that haven't, you're going to hear a lot of no's. Whether it's in the fundraising side, whether it's in the development side, uh, it just because you hear no doesn't mean it's a no. You just need to think creatively about why. Why is it they're saying no to you? What is it that that you're doing that isn't making them say yes? Because they're going to say yes to somebody. Why Absolutely. is it not? Why is it not you? Absolutely. Well, and, and one of the things that I that I love that you pointed out, there's something that I, when I'm interviewing somebody for a position at Overland, I say the same thing to every person. You know, we talk about, they always ask, well, what is like the keys for this position? And it doesn't matter what position I'm hiring for. I say the same thing. I say being proactive because I can tell you right now, initiative covers a lot of sins at Overland. I mean, people who look at, who look at me and who look at us, who don't think that, that we failed, I have failed way more than I have ever succeeded. I mean, I'm just going to tell you right now. I, I have stubbed my toe time and time and time and time again. And in major ways, I mean, when I first started, I lost the deal. We, we were in, like I said, we were in tight operating cash circumstances. I mean, it was, it was week to week at that point. And we had one deal that was under contract. We were going to build this office building. And guess what? I lost the deal. 100% on me. No questions asked. I lost it. It was three months into the job. And I had to deal with that. Right. And, and the thing that, the thing that you see and you understand, you know, it's just one deal. Well, one deal when you have like $0 in the bank account, and that was the one deal that could have potentially like brought enough cash in to, to stabilize everything for the next four years. I have been dealing with that since this, you know, to this day, but those are the things that you have to be able to take and learn from. You learn from the failures way more than you learn from any of the successes. 
Well, and going back, I'm a big believer in it's not truly a failure. I mean, you failed in the moment, sure, but it's not a failure overall if you learn from it. Let it be the chip on your shoulder that drives you, that motivates you, that gives you that dedication because motivation can wane, that gives you that dedication to to keep doing everything that you need to do on a daily basis. Listen, there are days that I get up and I know there are just certain things I need to do that day that are that need to happen. Right. There are certain things, whether it's with a podcast or calling investors or, or dealing with other aspects of the job, I just have to do. It. And if I don't do them on a daily basis, then we're going to fall behind where we want to be. And you just have to drive. And, and you're not always going to see the success right away. It may be like you said, all those phone calls, you know, you never saw success from those folks you called, but it was what you learned that applied to find the people that you ultimately were able to work with. You don't know what that's going to be. You don't know what it's going to turn out to be. Uh, Exactly. I'm so fortunate. I started my career in sales to help me to better understand what it's going to take to be successful here. I hated sales back when I first started. I told myself (laughs) I never wanted to be in sales. I saw the, the team and I was like, I don't want their job. And then when I got their job, because it was a great opportunity to make some good money for my family, I was like, okay, what do I need to do? And I, I was terrible. I, I'll never forget. My boss, I used to let him come in and listen to me cold call. And he sometimes listens to this podcast. And he, I think I've told this story maybe once before. I'll never forget. He was listening to me cold call one day. And I hung up the phone after leaving a voicemail. And honestly, I used to like black out leaving voicemails because I don't know. I wouldn't even know what I was saying. And I hung up the phone. And he looks up from his computer typing. He goes, what did you just say? That was awful. And he was given constructive <laughs> criticism. And listen, I'm friends with this guy to this day, but it, it was, he it was right. And like we worked and he coached and, and he pushed me to do better and understand what I was doing. And it ultimately led to a good sales career. So to your point, you don't know what's going to be there. You just got to keep driving every day and knowing that it's not always going to work, but you're going to find something that does because you're the one that keeps putting in the effort to make it happen. Absolutely. You know, that was, that was well said. Well, Michael, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I think what you talked about today is incredibly impactful and everyone honestly needs to listen to this. And sometimes we need to listen to probably this episode more than once because we're going to find ourselves in those moments where we're like, you know what? It's just easier not to, but someone else is going to be doing it and they're going to be getting that phone call or getting that experience that you're not. So thank you so much, sir. For those that want to work with you, partner with you, learn from you, where's the best place folks can find you? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's two places. Number one, overlandcapitalcorp.com. You can go to the website. There's a place where it says schedule a call. You schedule a call. Right now, I still take all those calls. And I will do that as long as I possibly can. Uh, so whether you're, you're interested in development, you're interested in partnering, you're interested in investing, no matter what it is, you just want to talk and ask a question. I try and set aside that time and I hold it pretty religious. So that's, that's one of the best ways to get a hold of me. The, the other is, you know, one of the things we just did is we just started a, a podcast. And so you can go to executivereishow.com if you're interested in hearing about that. Uh, a little bit different than, than Cody's wonderful podcast, but he, you know, Cody, you do, you do a great job with this. Everything's amazing. But yeah, those are the two ways that you can reach me. Either one will, uh, will get back to me. Absolutely. Well, hey, we'll drop a link in the show notes for everyone to, to find the website and to go listen and subscribe to Michael's show. Please do. We, we would implore you to do so. It's a great show. Michael, hey, thank you again so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. And for those listening at home, we appreciate you and we'll catch you next time. 
You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.